Good morning. Good morning. Or afternoon. Whichever. You know. Happy Wednesday. Yeah. Happy That's Wednesday. how I actually like to start lives. <laughs> happy whatever the day is. Happy day of the week. Happy day of the week. Yes. Wednesday, second Sabbath. Yeah. Second around Sabbath. here. You know, in the Midwest, we have the second Sabbath. Just one isn't enough. We we also take a, a second Sabbath on Wednesday. Huh. Sunday and Wednesdays are the high holy days. That's hilarious. <laughs> it always makes me laugh when we talk about second Sabbath. <laughs> hey, you're going to have to kind of forgive background noise if you hear it. We got some construction going on outside of our building here. So if you're hearing yes. stuff, sorry yes. about that. Working on the roads and the sidewalks. Yeah. It's fine. It is. All we're, right. we're, we're thankful. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. They're making needed repairs. Yes. They're cleaning up the place. It's going to look pretty. All right. What are we talking about? Oh, today we are going to be talking about Gideon. Yes. I'm Turns excited. out there's more to it than just throwing out fleeces. Right. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like the thing people know about Gideon. It <laughs> is. Like he's the guy with the fleece, right? Yeah. Hey, Mike. Hi, Mike. Thanks for saying hi. Hey, and, and that's really, uh, thanks mm -hmm. for interrupting, Mike. Um <laughs> If you, you are on, <laughs> <laughs> if you are on with us, tell us hello, tell us where you're from, and please interact. We love interacting mm -hmm. with people in the comments, so you have our permission to do so. In fact, it's what's expected of you. Yes. Back to Gideon. We're in Judges six through eight. Eight. Yeah. Short story. It is. Oh, hi, oh, Christy. Hi, Christy. Oh my gosh, faithful followers. It is a short story. And, you know, Gideon's not one, but two fleeces. Actually, I mean, you could almost call it the third by the time he gets there after his interaction with the angel of the Lord. And, yes. And it says God himself. God so, himself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I, I just, you know, like really, do you, do you actually allow yourself to just like be there? An angel of the Lord shows up. I mean, he's just minding his own business, threshing wheat in a wine press. Yeah, we're going to have to get to that, too. <laughs> well, turns out that's how it starts off. Right. We, we know the backstory is, is we know that, that God has given Israel to the Midianites and, and they're in slavery, basically. They're mm -hmm. under oppression of a, another country. And, um, and the Amalekites and the Midianites got hair in my mouth. That's gross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Amalekites and the Midianites would come and steal from Israel. Mm -hmm. And um, they, would, they would plant crops and they would come and take what they wanted from them. And so this is why Gideon is found threshing wheat in a wine press, which doesn't work. Not because very well. The whole point of of threshing wheat is so that they could throw it up, and you know the shaft gets blown away, and <laughs> and, and the good stuff lands right. But this is a violent process. Mm -hmm. it's, it's two violent processes, and he's he's threshing wheat in a wine press. Yeah. And as soon as I read this, I was like, "Oh my gosh, John!" <laughs> I, I thought about him when you. <laughs> I was. I, I. My first thought was, oh, "I'm glad that wasn't John." Hilarious. Yes, John has a serious gag reflex when it comes to hair in mouth. Anyway, um, but I'm a mom. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Tougher breed. Um, what was I even saying? 
threshing oh, wheat. Threshing wheat in a wine press. We we know that this is this is such a violent process, and that's mm-hmm. where I feel like we are right now. But have you ever like read scripture and you're like, I know I need to pause here because there is something on this, but you can't quite put your finger on it. That's where I was at when I opened this up and I started reading. And I was like, what? Threshing wheat in a wine press. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Like there is, there is a threshing is such a violent process. Actually, it says in, in the gospels that that's what Jesus came to do. Like he came to thresh us. And it is, it's such a, a violent process where there's a separating happening and, and also with good intention. It's, it's out of love. So let's, mm-hmm. let's reiterate that is that when God is coming like this in a violent ma- manner, it's out of love. Hi, Pepper. And um, because he knows what's good for us. Right. He knows better than I do what I need and I need to be threshed. And mm-hmm. apparently we're in a wine press, which is such a marvelous picture of this threshing and crushing all at the same time. Anybody been there? Anybody feel like you're there right now in yeah. this tight space being threshed and pressed all at the same time? And it's just, it's, this is such a, it's a phenomenal picture for me. And no wonder people are squirming right now. Yeah. And no wonder they're not just squirmy, but kind of disoriented. Yeah. Because the, you know, when you think about threshing and they're throwing the wheat up so the chaff can be blown away, which is why it's so weird it's being done in a wine press mm-hmm. because this should be on a hilltop. Yes. And, Where there's wind. Right. And, and then at the same time being pressed, that that's gotta be disorienting to just mm-hmm. be pressed, thrown, pressed, thrown. And yes. so, yeah, we can see why people are having a hard time right now with, yeah. with what's going on. Mm-hmm. So why is he doing this? He's hiding. He's, this is his attempt at keeping yeah. what they've grown, at, at keeping their crops and keeping it away from the enemy. And, um, no worries, though, because God finds him right where he's at. Well, it's it's funny, too, because in this in this hiding, he's trying to be his own provider. Woo! He's trying to provide in his own strength. Who's got the um, hallelujah hanky? <laughs> I mean, this is one that, that for me, it's it. I, I come back to a lot, like trying to provide under my own strength. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not my provider. Yes. Say it so, with us. I am not my provider. Yes. Absolutely. Put that in the comments, yes. everyone. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. And so it, it's it's interesting to me that he is doing this in his own strength, mm-hmm. trying to be his own provider, and but doing it in secret rather than allowing it to be out in the open and mm-hmm. say, This is the this is the work that's going on. So yeah. interesting little thought there with yes. that. Yes. And I love it because it is a picture of where we are at right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is so true. Pepper, Lisa. Yes. So yeah. true. You are not. Um, but it's, it's where we're at right now. And, and we, we are kind of tucked away and, and it, it, find yourself hidden in Christ though, not hiding from the right. enemy Big in, in this threshing place. And if you've listened to my story at all over the last six months, you know that I've described myself being on this threshing floor and now you're adding in this crushing, but you've got to remember what, what does the crushing produce? Mm-hmm. New wine, new wine, new wine. And that's how the story plays out. He's, yeah. he's in this threshing and crushing place and he's not mm-hmm. known as a man of courage. Mm-hmm. But the angel of the Lord shows up and he's like, Hey, Gideon, I've got, I've got things for you to do. Right. <laughs> That's my summary. 
I've got I've got a plan for your life. And are, are you going there? I, I just want to you mentioned, you know, uh, about um, Gideon and his family. They are not um, necessarily known as well, particularly Gideon. Yes. Isn't necessarily known as great. No, and he's describes himself and his family as the least of all he says my clan is the weakest right and i am the least of them right which is so interesting now that what god shows up and starts describing or starts calling out his identity yes who god says he is and so it's a it's an interesting difference between his own impression of him and and god's and that's something we were talking about a little while ago if you ever start to think less than of yourself, you got to stop and go back and pull out who it is that God says you are. Mm-hmm. It's it's absolutely important to be able to continue to move forward and right. not do things in your own strength. Yes. So to back up, before we get too far into the unfolding of, of Gideon, um, it, it's really important that, that we also bring to the table that the Midianites... Oh, yeah. uh, they they come through the line of Abraham. Right. It, it's another illegitimate son of Abraham's. Mm-hmm. So Abraham is actually the father of three nations. Of many nations. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> it's it's ridiculous yeah. that you know here here what what Abraham has produced, what his seed has produced, is is now fighting against the promise. Mm-hmm. You guys. That's big. Like, what what is it that you are sowing right now that is going to potentially come against the promise that's on your life? We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful what it is that we are sowing with our words. Yeah. And sowing with our hands. Mm -hmm. Sowing with our beliefs. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And Midian actually means compromise. Right. And when you go back to Abraham, he tolerated the compromise of concubines and listening to Sarah to push the uh, promise in their own strength yes. to try to own get that to provider. To, right. To try to get that to come to pass. Yeah. And this is what we have out of that compromise is we have nations that uh, are continually oppressing and um, conquering and just absolutely trying to destroy the actual promise yeah. that God wanted to bring about. Yeah. And th- these are so two things that God is really highlighting for us in the season is what are you tolerating mm-hmm. and where are you in compromise? Right. And and so I, he's faithful. He's oh, yeah. faithful to shine a light on that stuff because he knows how bad it is for us. Mm-hmm. So we cannot find ourselves in compromise or we cannot find ourselves um, partnering with compromise. And and when we do that, we we end up. Um, giving up so much of our inheritance. And I think that that's where Gideon is found, you know, because he's hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. He he's, he's hiding because he's given up part of his inheritance, but, and I love this because they are right in the middle of the heat of a battle in the middle of a, a enemy attacking them when mm-hmm. he's awakened. Let's read, let's read what, let's how it. that goes down. We are in, um, Judges chapter six. And I'm probably making a lot of noise right now, putting the microphone on the table. I apologize. Okay, so 611 says the angel of Yahweh came to the village of Ophrah and sat down under the oak tree 
that belonged to Joash, a man of the clan of Abizar. His son Gideon was secretly threshing some wheat in a wine press so that the Midianites would not see him. Yahweh's angel suddenly appeared to Gideon and said, Yahweh's presence goes with you, man of fearless courage. Wow. <laughs> man of fearless, he's hiding. That's much, <laughs> much different from my my clan is the weakest and I'm the least of them. Yes. That's a lot different. Yes. Man of fearless courage. What name is God calling you by right now? You know, like you right. might be hiding, but what is God saying? Because mm -hmm. that's what's true. Absolutely. Your actions don't define you. Mm -hmm. Turns out God's nope. voice does. <laughs> so good. Okay. <laughs> Verse 13. Me? <laughs> Gideon replied. But sir, if Yahweh is truly with us, why have all these troubles come to us? Where are all his miracle wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not Yahweh deliver us out of Egypt? But not Yahweh, but not Yahweh has abandoned us. Is that right? But, but now. But now. Yes, thank you. But now Yahweh has abandoned us and put us under the power of the Midianites. This, this right here, this is a question that, <clears throat> excuse me, is still asked today. Oh, why are we having all these troubles? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes. And you know what? It, it goes back to the compromise. You can trace it always back to a compromise. And so it's just something to make sure that we're keeping note of and keeping an eye on the fact that uh, if Yahweh is truly with us, why have all these troubles come? Well, compromise. Compromise. And, you know, He's going to be highlighting that stuff for you. Mm -hmm. But he's still so faithful. I mean, he, yeah, yeah. The entire mm -hmm. nation is in compromise, right? But right. he still shows up. Yeah, and that's because of his love for for them that he had for them, the love that he has for us. That's why he still shows up. Yes, and he sh still shows up, judges these things, highlights them, and you know, in that threshing, tosses you up so that stuff can be yes. blown away. Yes. Oh gosh, it's so good. <clears throat> Okay. Um, did not Yahweh deliver us out of Egypt, but now Yahweh has abandoned us and put us under the power of the Midianites. Then Yahweh himself faced Gideon directly and said, am I not sending you? With my presence, you have all you need. Go in the strength that you now have and rescue Israel from Midian's power. There should have been an exclamation point after, with my presence, you have all you need. Oh my gosh. Come on. Can I get an amen? Oh, I love that. Absolutely love that. <sighs> Jesus. Wow. If that does not cause praise to bubble up inside of you, whew, my presence is all you need. And then he says, go in the strength that you now have. And, and the strength that he was just describing was very weak. Almost none. So to now go, go in the strength that you now have, just... Is he feeling differently from this? Oh, my God. I, I have no idea. I, I think, though, you know, if as we continue to read this story, the answer is that he feels no different. Right. He doesn't <laughs> feel any greater measure of strength from this conversation that he's having with God himself directly. I mean, honestly, he's probably peed his pants by now. You know, probably. I would. <laughs> 
go in the strength that you now have and rescue Israel from Midian's power. You guys, he's still in a hiding space. He's still hiding, but the Lord comes in. So we know he's the action that he's doing is threshing and Yahweh shows up and presses, right? He comes in and he crushes to bring forth the new wine because the new wine is where the courage is at. And so he says, go in the strength that is oozing from you right now. Yeah. Ah, That's so good. That is good. Gideon said to him, But Lord, how could I ever rescue Israel? Of all the thousands in Manasseh, my clan is the weakest and I'm the least qualified in my family. There you have it. Yahweh replied, my presence and my power will be with you. Believe me, Gideon, you will crush the Midianites as easily as if they were only one man. I, I circled, believe me, because we tend to have a belief problem. Mm-hmm. And just like Gideon, he didn't believe that he was a man of fearless courage. Yes. He believed he was the least of the weakest clan. Yes. We live off of fleeting inspiration. That's good. It's not, a, it's not building our belief system when mm-hmm. God comes close and he says things like this, because he does. Every one of us have experienced this, yeah. where God has come close and he has spoken a name over us, or he has given orders. This is who you are. This is what you are to do. And we're like, oh, I feel so inspired right now. But it is right. not building up a belief system inside of us. And we're not taking it as seed and growing that thing. Because what we need to be doing is if, if he's going to come and he's going to say, Whatever the big lofty thing is over your life, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, you know, go ye into all the nation, you know, King James, if, and um, if we're not taking that and watering that seed within us on a regular basis, mm-hmm. it's fleeting. It's just fleeting right. inspiration. It was a goosebump moment. And that is a poor use of God's presence. Right. Absolutely poor use. And like Pepper said here, don't go by feelings. Use what's in your hand. Yes. Cannot go by feelings because these goosebump moments, like you said, they're they're enough to inspire you to get to the door and then it's gone mm-hmm. at best. Right. At best. That's that's where it gets you. And we have to know that even when we don't feel it, even when we don't feel that change of strength, we're still still feeling the same because then we we retort with well i'm the least of these and um we have to know he's still there mm-hmm. if he says something then it's not going to return to him void no it's, it's going to happen right and so and the thing is is if it's not going to happen in you he will find another he oh, said yeah. so in the book Absolutely. of esther when mordecai came to esther and said if you persist in silence mm-hmm. i will raise up another to free israel but you will pay the price. Yeah. Yep. So you don't get out of it. Nope. You just don't get to glory in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys. We have to learn to steward well the things that God is calling us to do. Mm -hmm. We can't just be inspired and sit on it. We have to start creating movement. And we we are right in the middle of this right now. Yes, we are. God, God has, has put a, a big calling on us to fulfill 
And I think that, that we have, we've toyed with it a little bit. You know, it's kind of like cats playing with mice. They don't actually kill the thing. They just play with it until it's dead. Yeah. And, and so I feel like that's what we do with mm-hmm. the words that God releases is we just kind of toy with it a little bit. Like, oh, that's so fun. That's so cute. I just, I like it when you talk to me like that, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing w- with that is the fact that you can, you can toy with it. You can, you can play with it and even see some momentum starting, but if it doesn't, exactly work out like you want it to or that you envisioned it think it did or you envision it we kind of will back off of the thing and just let it go kind of dormant Mm -hmm. when in reality this is the point where just because we're not feeling it or we're not seeing it because we don't feel that change in strength doesn't mean that god's not there and he's not moving and he is not ready uh to just act on your behalf right and so that's that's something that you got to keep in mind uh, that he's given you a promise. Continue to move forward. Right. Whatever it looks like, regardless of of goosebumps or not. Right. Like, let's stop putting so much value on the goosebumps. Uh, yeah, we got We got to stop putting a, a ton of value on how I feel, feel. right now. Yes. Oh, God. Feelings are important. They do provide you some input on what's going on. But they're not the leading lady, right? They can't be, they can't be, or we'll just sit around waiting for the next wave of inspiration to hit. Waves come and go. They do. Turns out. Get up and get going. That's what I will say. Get up and get going. There's a whole lesson in the waves there. (laughs) Verse 17. Are you reading or am I? Go ahead. Okay. Then Gideon said, if it's really true that you will go with me and that I have found grace before your eyes, then show me a miracle sign to prove that you are really Yahweh speaking with me. He's face to face. (laughs) This is test number one that Gideon is throwing out. Not the actual fleece, but this is the first one. Yes. I mean, like, how can you be face to face with God and be like, if you're really you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't leave until I return with my offering to you. And he answered, I'll wait until you return. God is so patient. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Somebody just thank him right now for being oh, patient with you. <laughs> you Jesus. <laughs> and he answered, I will wait until you return. So Gideon went and cooked a young goat and many loaves of unleavened bread. He placed the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot and took his offering and presented it to him under the oak tree. We got to stop because this isn't a quick meal. He didn't just whip something up in a few minutes because... It's bread. Right. The footnote says, uh, with an uh, ephah of flour, he made bread. And ephah was about 20 liters or three-fifths of a bushel. Gideon presented a significant offering for it was a time of scarcity. Wow. It, it, this, I mean, I'm sure he had to slaughter the goat because they didn't have refrigerators to keep things. No, it's not like fresh. they had a goat hanging. Right. <laughs> All the processing that would have had to have been done, this didn't take a few minutes. This was this a was, good amount of time. Yeah. Wow. He is patient. He is very patient. My goodness. Okay, so um, God's angel said to Gideon, place the meat and the bread on that rock and pour the broth over them. 
and Gideon did so. Then Yahweh's angel reached out the staff he was holding and touched the meat and the bread. All at once, supernatural fire sprang up from the rock and burned up the meat and the bread. Then the angel of Yahweh vanished from his sight. Yeah, microwave goat. Probably not. Probably not. Not even a drive through goat. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I always wonder about when I read some of these things is, why is the staff not as prevalent as it used to be? Oh, Everybody seems to have a staff when oh, we read these stories. Wow, that'll preach. Anyways, That's sorry. good. That's so good. And fire sprang up from the rock. You guys, he's the same God. Here's the deal. We're wiggly right now because he's showing up in a way that is unrecognizable for us. Because we have, we have agreed that he is one way only. Yes, we have. And so we are, because we haven't made room for him to also be the all-consuming fire, we are also not experiencing these kinds of supernatural acts. Right. Because it's not needed. It's not right. necessary when we're, when we're like, you know, he's just, you know, he's just so good. And he is. He's just so good. And, but he's also sovereign, mm -hmm. you know, and, and he's to the point, God is to the point where he's like, enough is enough. We've heard him say this over and over and over right. in the last several months where he's like, enough is enough. I'm not dealing with you in your current mm -hmm. state anymore. You are in compromise. What are you going to do about it? Right. I mean, that's basically, if, if we are in a wine press right now, threshing wheat, and the angel of the Lord shows up, that's what he's saying to us. Enough's enough. Mm -hmm. You're in compromise. What are you going to do about it? Absolutely. This is what I love about talking about the different facets of things. Mm -hmm. So if we, we want to say that it's all grace, you know, and, and that that's what we're living under, that's great. But turn grace around every once in a while and see what else is available through that. I, I think that grace is far more fierce than we have yeah. uh, given credit. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Grace actually requires something of us. Yeah. I mean, there's even the argument on, and I don't want to go deep into this, but even on the tie that, oh, we're now under grace. So that's the old covenant. This is the new covenant. And we don't have to actually give anymore. Actually, the thing is, is what, what is required of us under the law of grace is that we give up everything to follow him. Right. That's what's required. Yeah. That we go and sell all of our possessions to follow him. Mm -hmm. You can look at the, the, the church in Acts, the first church. That's what they did. They went and sold everything and brought it before and laid it down at the apostles' feet to be mm -hmm. stewarded through the government of the kingdom. Right. They had all things in common. Anything that, that was lacking in one was made up by another. Hmm. that's kingdom life. It is. That's grace life. Mm -hmm. yep. So there's actually a, a more profound requirement on you than you've ever imagined because of grace. Right. Grace is brought about through one man giving all. Mm -hmm. We're to follow suit. We're to give right. all. And, you know, yesterday I was, I was power washing the porch, which was so fun, you guys. I had so much fun. And there's something about vacuuming and water running that just really like gets my gifting into high gear. Mm. And so I, I'm sitting there power washing and this took a long time because I was being thorough. And um, and God starts talking to me. He's like multi-generational homes, multicultural homes. And then he's like, 
People are going to start selling off their possessions, houses, cars, and they're going to give them away. So there, there's like a selling and there's a giving away. And people are going to begin to live with one another. And then he starts talking about doors, that you will know these people based on the colors that they paint their doors. I mean, it was like this whole thing. And then he's like, so go and fulfill the call because everything that you need will be met along the way. See, what happens first is we must Go in the strength that he's already given us and yeah. trust that he's meeting us there. So there is a, there is a, a go command that we must just mm-hmm. do the thing yep. rather than being inspired and sitting around singing Kumbaya, which we do. We've got to go and trust that he's just going to meet us there, that there will. And honestly, even, even in those who are called to travel, he's like, no more hotel stays. Yeah. No more hotel stays. There will be houses along the way who will bring you in. That's good. He is, he's bringing us back to the simplicity of all things in common, which I realize saying that that's simplistic feels complex, but that's because we have not rightly done life together. We have built churches within buildings and they Mm -hmm. should have resided in homes. Yeah. I got us way off track. That's okay. It was good. <laughs> it was really good because it, it, th- this is something that it speaks to compromise. So it's important to highlight and bring out these, these buildings to get together and meet the great. Those are your, your times for training. Yes. Um, and Antioch. Right. Not always the time for sharpening. Yes. But definitely for training. Mm-hmm. The sharpening has to come in those smaller groups in the homes when you're you're meeting together and actually having these conversations because in a Sunday morning, you are more just being presented something. Yeah. It's and if you're getting talked at and there's nothing being offered for you to take back and have conversation with Holy Spirit and with the the other people you're sharing life with, then something needs to change. Right. There. So. Right. Because, and I think that that's what's missing mm-hmm. in our church experience is that it's all just buffet yeah. where you can come and yeah. eat what you want, toss out what you don't want. And there's no accountability in it because we show mm-hmm. up on one, we offer two hours a week. In what, 180 hours? To, to, to the very thing that we're called to. Two hours a week building the body of Christ, becoming the bride of Christ. It takes the whole to be able to be a pure and spotless bride, because this is what will happen. If I do me and Jesus, the other, what did you say? How many hours? Uh, Roughly 170 something, 180, somewhere around there. So minus two hours. (laughs) The the rest of that time is me and Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then I come together in the body. I look like a, a, a disformed, disfigured bride. We are called to do life together so that the bride can learn to move and function yeah. and flow as one. Mm-hmm. And right now we are, we are just many parts moving in opposite directions, doing whatever we want, making decisions based on offense. Yes, mm-hmm. I said it. Instead of making decisions based on kingdom. We have to start thinking in a kingdom mindedness. We've got to start obeying. Yeah. We have to. We have to start obeying, doing the things that God says to do. If he says go, 
then go. Right. We have to be quick to obey or we're going to miss out on mm-hmm. the things that he wants to show us. If we want to see the signs, wonders, and miracles, we have to be people who go in, in the strength that we have, knowing that he will meet us there. Right. And that probably looks like signs, wonders, and miracles because it certainly did for Gideon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he took that, that first test and put it on the rock and watched fire come out of the rock. Yeah. Not from around it, but out of it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, at that point, was he like, oh, you are God? <laughs> well, as we'll see, turns out no. <laughs> oh, goodness. Let's jump to um, what else is important to highlight. We'll be on here all day if we read this whole thing. Uh, after that, the angel vanished. He realized that uh, he had seen in the angel of Yahweh, and he was terror-stricken and said, Lord Yahweh, I have seen the angel of Yahweh face to face. Wow. I, and I think that there's there's even, and there's meat in that too. Mm-hmm. Like making the agreement, I have heard from the Lord. Yeah. I have orders from the King of Kings. Mm-hmm. I am I, under a decree of the Lord of Lords. Yeah. We just don't take his voice as seriously as we should. Right. Yep. Hmm. I, and I've said it before. I mean, we're just, a, we're just a, a group of people that are collecting prophecies. Right. What good is that? Yeah. And, you know, and from that, Gideon got instructions to go down, go and tear down the altar of Baal and yes. tear down the tree um, that uh, represented some other god. I don't mm-hmm. remember the name, but um, the tree so he, of the goddess Asherah. Yes, mm-hmm. and so he got some people together to do that, but still was a little bit he afraid. Went he went, you know, like Nicodemus sneaking up to have a conversation it with did. Jesus. It reminded me of Nicodemus. He went at night to go tear down this altar, uh, cut down the tree, build a new altar, sacrifice one of the bulls he took, yes. and using the wood from the cut down tree. Yes. But did so in the middle of the night. Yeah. And even the bull, the seven-year-old bull, it's just so fat. God is so intentional, you guys. Mm-hmm. So intentional. The bull was seven years old. And for seven years, they had been under the oppression of the Midianites. So fascinating. It is. It's so fascinating. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. his bull, but. <laughs> it was his dad's. Eventually, it would have been his. But God is, he is, he's so intentional. And, mm-hmm. and my guess is that we all have very intentional orders from God on hand right now. Yeah. But we just, we, we can't see it. I think that we are still, we, that we have some blinders that need to be removed in order to realize that he has given us very specific orders to fulfill the call in our lives. But it's going to require us to take a first step. Yeah into that thing before we're going to see it fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that, so up to this point, what we need to realize is that he is awakened in the middle of a battle. And, and, and so have we been, we have been awakened now, like real in real time, we've been awakened and we are in the middle of a battle mm-hmm. and warfare is on God's mind. Yeah. We have to know yes, how to 
rightly war against the things that have come in and usurped what's ours. Mm-hmm. We are children of the king. We are co-heirs. We are co-seated. Now, what are we going to do about it? Right. We have a whole lot of squatters in our land. We do. That have come in and taken what is rightfully ours. Now, they have to relinquish it, but they won't until they see the king's kids coming. Right. That's right. And, and we do have to take some time, though, in this to, to celebrate growth. Mm. Because, and we, we talked about about this in a conversation last week, and then uh, with the leaders here on Sunday, celebrating growth. Now, this is this is growth for Gideon to do this, even though he did it at night. Yeah, he he went in the strength that he had. Yes, and still, that was the strength that he had. Yes, yeah, that's valid. He still did the thing. Yeah. Um. And it's interesting, you know, following on to this, you know, the people found out who it was. They asked around Mm -hmm. and Gideon got snitched out. Yes. So they went to his dad and said, give him over so we can kill him. And his dad's like, no. I love what his dad says. Yeah. You know, if if Baal is real and he wants to have seek revenge on his own behalf let him do so yeah he says does Baal need you to fight his battles right i love it (laughs) that is so audacious it is (laughs) are you really going to rescue Baal? (laughs) right so this is this is a god that you can hold up under your own strength like we talked about with the ark you know to steady the presence there you can there. So obviously there's no power. Yeah. And, and the final thing he says is ba- if Baal is a God, let him fight his own battles and defend his own altar. Right. And I, I love that. That, I mean, can we please be mm-hmm. so audacious to, to be like, we have to better understand who we are, whose we are. We have all authority at hand. Hmm. We just don't know how to wield it yet. Well, we have to believe that first. Yes. Step one. (laughs) Simply believe. (laughs) Which is where we run into a problem. Uh, Let Baal deal with his own stuff. Yes. Yes, I always wondered about this, too. It says, from then on, Gideon's nickname was Jerubabel. That is to say, let Baal contend against him because he he broke down his altar. So... It also says, you know, in the footnotes he was, uh, or it could be called Baal fighter. Mm. And so I wonder if that, if the people called him that as a curse. Oh, interesting. Uh, because let Baal contend against him. Hmm. But anyways, another, yeah. another, inter- another side note thought. So in verse 33, it says, now all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the East formed an army. They crossed the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel to fight against Israel. This is so fascinating. Then the spirit of Yahweh clothed himself in Gideon and enveloped him. So not only was he in him clothed with Gideon, he was all around him enveloping him. Wow. He promised he would meet him there. Go in the strength you now have Mm -hmm. and I'll be with you. And this is more than with. Okay. Way more than with. <laughs> Clothed himself in mm-hmm. Gideon and enveloped him. That's the in and out. Yes. Yep. 
That's the indwelling power of God and the fallen on, you know, it's, it's both. Mm -hmm. And here's the deal. Like we read these things, but do we understand? Like, this is so powerful. Like the spirit of God is now in him, on him. And how much more do we have as co-heirs? Believe. You have to believe it first. Goodness gracious. Gideon sounded a blast of the shofar. A pepper that reminded me of you saying that we may need to consider a shofar. (laughs) (laughs) I've never wanted a shofar more. (laughs) Gideon sounded a blast of the shofar to call the men of the clan of Abizar to follow him. He sent messengers throughout the territory of both parts of Manasseh and throughout the territory of Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali to call them to follow Gideon into battle, and they all came to join him. This is where it gets interesting for me. It does get interesting. So he he is at this point clothed by the Spirit of God and enveloped by the Spirit of God blows the shofar, gathers the army up. They come. And they come. And now he's like, uh, I need to, I need to test you a couple more Sidebar times. Sidebar, God. <laughs> yeah, let's, <laughs> hey, hey um, let's, let's have a chat over here. Can, can I meet you in your chambers? Yeah. And and then we, you know, he goes to the famous fleeces. Yes. If you have really chosen me to rescue Israel, he still needs proof. As you, As said, you said. Then give me proof. Here I am placing a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If in the morning the dew is only on the wool, but not on the ground around it, then I will know for sure that I'm the one you have chosen to rescue Israel. As you said. I will know for sure. Yeah. Did you read the footnotes on that? They're really good. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. Just know that it was really good. <laughs> I should have, I should have highlighted them so I could find them quickly. Um, I'll keep reading. You find it. Um, and that is exactly what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out enough dew to fill a bowl. So, in the second one, so he asks first for the fleece to be wet and nothing mm-hmm. else to be wet. On the second one, he asks for the ground around the fleece to yes. be wet without the fleece. This is interesting to me because it says that uh, dew is consistently a biblical symbol of God's favor and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He was um, clothed by the Holy Spirit and enveloped by the Holy Spirit. The fleece was um, wet and then all around it was wet. Interesting little thing. Yeah, that is interesting. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me ask you for one more sign. This time, let the fleece be dry and the ground wet. That night, God did what Gideon had asked. The next morning, the fleece was dry but dew covered the ground around it. And this is the footnote I was talking about. Gideon wanted not only the assurance that God's favor was upon him, but also the assurance that God's favor was on the men, the ground around him as well. God does often give a confirming sign that he is with those he calls. The two signs Gideon asked for would demonstrate Yahweh as sovereign over the land instead of Baal. 
who was believed to be the father of morning rain and dew among the Canaanites, as found in the text. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Yahweh showed his power over the things the people believed mm-hmm. were under Baal's control. So there was way more to it yeah. than, um, I mean, like this, this like shows Gideon as wise. I mean, there's like wisdom in what it is that he's doing. Like, show me that the power of Baal is now non-existent. I mean, you can, you can look at it that way, that Baal has now, I took down his altar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I have, I've rid the land of him, which is a huge, brave thing to do. And, um, which is warfare, which is what our spiritual warfare looks like. Like taking back the land is, is doing these things that God is asking us that seem maybe trivial and meaningless to us, but they matter. Mm-hmm. They matter. If God is highlighting something in your life that should not be in your life, tear it down. It has likely become a, an idol in your life. And we need to be yeah. serious right. about these things because God is telling us you are in compromise. So what are the things that are causing us to compromise? Those are the things that need to be torn down. And so when he is saying, when he's doing these fleece things, he's wanting to know, is it you? Is it yeah. sheer God power or is Baal still mixed in? Mm-hmm. And, and so because it was a, an intimate moment between Gideon and God, he, God was willing to meet him there. And so I think that, you know, <laughs> I've seen the fleece thing used a little errantly, but I think that we can ask God, we can press him sure. for, okay, I just, I really want to know that this is what you're asking of me. Mm-hmm. And, and he did it. God was willing to, to meet him there. And um, because there was wisdom in it, I just want to know that it's your power, your authority that I'm walking into. Yeah. And in that wisdom, it's also going to be a testimony to give to the men who have assembled to yeah. go to war. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, my gosh. And then it gets good, right? Because mm-hmm. we're about to go to war, people. <laughs> now the Baal fighter, that is Gideon. And his men rose early and encamped by the spring of trembling. The Midianites had encamped in the valley to the north below Mora. Yahweh spoke to Gideon, you have too many in your army. If I give them victory over the Midianites, they might claim credit for themselves at my expense. Hmm. I love that. I mean, God is putting himself on the line here. He's like, if we're doing this, it's going to be for my glory mm-hmm. because if it's for my glory, you get to glory in it. Yep. If it's for man's glory. It's fleeting like the goosebumps. Yes. It's, it's yes. It's fleeting inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do this and then I forget. Thinking I that they had won the victory on their own. And it goes on to the next page. Okay. Um, verse three. So we're in seven, three announce to your men, all who are trembling and afraid, hurry back home and leave Mount Gilead. Now I think that that is interesting because he's already made it clear that, that Gideon is not necessarily a man of courage, right? Nor does he consider himself. I mean, like he considers Mm -hmm. himself as the least of these Yeah. from the least Mm -hmm. from the weakest clan. And he is the least of them. And now God is saying the ones that are fearful and trembling and here's why I think that is, because it is so important that we surround ourselves with the people that are going to press us into the call. Oh, yeah. That do Absolutely. not remind us of who we were. Mm-hmm. If we constantly surround ourselves and insulate ourselves with those who are living life as who we used to be, we will use it as an excuse. Oh, absolutely. To not grow. Absolutely. 
you know, you, you start to feed off the strength of those around you yeah. and, and off what it is that they bring. And if they aren't offering a sharpening and a pushing to get you to continue to grow and reminding you of who it is that God says you are and reminding you of what it is he's called you into. Yeah. There's no telling what compromise you're going to allow from them. Right. Right. Yeah. So he sends them. He sends them off. And how, how many was it? Was- 20,000 went away. 20,000 went away. So he's left with 10,000 men. Then Yahweh spoke to Gideon again. You still have too many men. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. If I tell you a man should go with you, he will go. If I tell you a man should not go with you, he will not. So Gideon brought the soldiers down to the water and Yahweh said to him, separate those who drink from their cupped hands and drink as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Of the 10,000 men, only 300 lapped water from their cupped hands. All the others knelt to drink. 300 of 10,000 had the wherewithal to say, we are in sight of the enemy. I can see them, which means they can see me. Yeah. And they were the ones that stayed on guard. And somewhere in these footnotes, it says that that was one to 450. Yeah. They were outnumbered (laughs) by that, that many. 300 men Mm -hmm. go with Gideon to take back what's theirs. Yeah. God, God can do more with somebody who's willing to make agreement with him than he can with multitudes. Oh, absolutely. Then Yahweh told Gideon, I will give you victory over the Midianites with the 300 men who cupped their hands and drank. Tell everyone else to go home. So Gideon sent all the Israelites home except the 300 who kept the supplies and shofars and those who had left. Now the Midianites were camped down below in the valley. That night, Yahweh commanded Gideon, get up and attack the camp. I'm giving you victory over the Midianites. This is the get up and go. Mm -hmm. But if you are afraid, I love it. Oh my gosh. This is God setting out his own fleece. But if you are afraid to engage them, first go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what they are saying, and then you will be brave and have courage to attack. So if you need an additional sign, go ahead. I love what the footnote says about Pura. Pura, yeah. Can be seen as a type of the Holy Spirit who accompanies us in all our ways. Yes. Ugh. So Gideon and his servant Pura went down and approached the outposts of the enemy camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and the desert tribesmen were spread out in the valley like a swarm of locusts. They had as many camels as there were grains of sand on the seashore. That's a lot. As soon as Gideon arrived, he heard an enemy soldier telling a friend about a dream. He was saying, well, I had a dream of this huge commotion in our camps. See, listen, God doesn't just know what's going on with us. Mm-hmm. He knows all. He sent Gideon at the right moment to listen in on this conversation. And here's the, here's the deal. If we will tune in and teach ourselves to be quick to obey, we will know the strategy of the enemy before it even comes. This is another point of celebration here because Gideon has obviously had an upgrade of strength and courage in this because to sneak down with one other person, your servant, not necessarily a warrior, which Gideon didn't describe himself as either. Right. But for two people to sneak down to the enemy's camp like this was dangerous. Yeah. 
And it took a, a boldness and a courage to even do that so God could have him listen in right. on this dream that he obviously gave this person and then the interpretation from the friend. Right. And this is what this is what the dream was. I had a dream of this huge commotion in our camp. I dreamed a round loaf of barley bread came whirling into our camp and leveled a tent. This is just hysterical to me. It hit the tent so hard it turned it upside down and the tent collapsed on the ground. His friend interpreted the dream and said, your dream symbolizes the sword of the Israelite Gideon, son of Joash. It can't mean anything else. God has given him victory over Midian and our whole army. What an interpretation. <laughs> I, I love the all the stuff about the barley loaf, but the, the last part of this, the whirling barley loaf is a picture of Christ in us. Yes who multiplies his life and power in believers today. Yes. In believers today. Yes. Yes. Come on. That's good. Mm -hmm. That is so good. When Gideon heard about the man's dream and what it meant, he fell to his knees and he worshiped Yahweh. I love that. I love it. I love it that he's brought back to the space of, mm -hmm. of worship. Like, I feel like for, for Gideon, like there is this, this constant unveiling where he's like, he, he's, he's leaning in to intimacy yes. with the Lord yeah. over and over and over again. He's, he's not a man of great strength or courage, but he is becoming so oh, yeah. because he's willing to constantly return, return, return. And so he finds out from the voice of the enemy themselves that we are about to be conquered by Gideon and his army. Of 300. Of 300. Through a dream. Of course he kneels down and he worships Yahweh. What sign is he giving you right now that what he has spoken over your life is true? And how are you leaning into it? And are you pausing in his presence? <laughs> then he went back to the Israelite camp and shouted. <laughs> he shouted. <laughs> Come on, it's time to strike. Yahweh is giving you victory over the Midianite army. He divided his 300 men into three groups and gave each man a shofar and a clay jar hiding a torch inside of it. He told them, follow me. When I get to the edge of the camp, watch me closely and do exactly what I do. So suddenly... Courage has, has risen up inside of Gideon, and he's now commanding. There is, there is no greater picture of courage than somebody about to run into battle say, follow me. Yeah. I, I'm going to be the one right here in front. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Absolutely love it. Now, this is, this is still him going in his own strength. Yes. He's still going in the strength that he has. Right. Knowing that God has already encamped himself around mm -hmm. the enemy. And that's what we need to start seeing is that whatever it is that he's calling us into. And listen, we aren't going into a real fighting battle here. You know, there aren't, there aren't people with, I, I mean, physical, there aren't people with weapons trying to physically kill us. We are going into a spiritual battle and I'm not demeaning that in any way. It's still significant, but, yes. but this, I mean, like he, his life is potentially on the line here mm -hmm. and he is recognizing that the Lord has already fought and won. Mm -hmm. I just have to go and do what it is. He's shown me myself doing, right. see yourself doing the thing and do it.
Yeah. Absolutely. And just, yeah, your physical life is not on, necessarily on the line right now, but we have to be thinking about others. Yeah. And eternal life for them. What's that going to look like? You know, they, they could be living in a hell right now of their own creation, their own compromise. Yes. And that's the battle we're fighting against because that that unseen battle that we are engaging in has actual ramifications here in yes, the natural. It does. And there's a lot of people that don't want to believe that. Well, I mean, it's uh, why it's why we have people that are sick. We have we have mm -hmm. we've got all kinds of things going on, and and it, it all points back to a, a spiritual battle that we, as those who are co-heirs, have not contained. Right. We've allowed yeah. ourselves to be contained. Uh, yes, we have. Uh, when my so they go, they go. This is just I love it that they go with shofars. They don't. They don't have any weapons. And it, jar. Uh, clay jars, clay right. jars. Yes. yes, that's crazy. Uh, when my group and I blow our shofars, then you blow yours all around the camp and shout for Yahweh and for Gideon. Because they're already afraid of Gideon. They they know it's him and his army coming. <laughs> yes, just before midnight, after the changing of the midnight guard, Gideon and his hundred men came to the outskirts of the camp. Then each of the three groups blew the shofars and broke the clay jars that hid the torches inside. They held their torches in their left hands, the shofars in their right, and shouted a thunderous battle cry, a sword for Yahweh and for Gideon. Each man held his position surrounding the camp, and the entire enemy army was shocked awake by the thunderous noises of Gideon's army. They all panicked and fled, yelling as they ran away. Now listen, what I want to point out here is that the, even the enemy's camp had a revelation of what was about to happen. Mm -hmm. And they did nothing. No. Through a dream, they had revelation of what was about to happen. And they still did nothing. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting that outnumbered 450 to one, their thunderous shout had to have been supernaturally amplified yeah. to be able to have this effect on that number of people. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of men. It is a lot. 450 to one. Yeah. There were over 100,000 of them. Yeah. So I, I, my, my question is, is like, what revelation are you sitting on? What is it that, that you're, you're not doing that That's God is asking of you? That's a great question. That is a great question. Because here's the deal. Like it, it, there, it, we have been, we are surrounded right now. Like it is up to us to rise up and do the things that God has called us to do without fear involved. And we, we allow fear to play a huge role in our lives. Huge role. We give more credence to fear than we do God. Yeah, we do. That hurts me. Okay. 22. When they sounded their 300 shofars, Yahweh made the enemy troops turn against each other with their own swords. The Midianites fled 
toward whatever these words are, as far as Beth Shatta, as far as the outskirts of the town of Abel. Oh gosh, I don't know. Anyway, they fled. Um, Gideon called to arms men from the tribes of Naphtali, Asher, and both parts of Manasseh, and they rallied and pursued the Midianites. What's interesting here is that they didn't even have to fight. Mm-mm. They didn't even have nope. to fight. When we obey God quickly and do what it is that he has called us to do, we don't. the fight doesn't look the way that we think that it's going to look. That's right. They turned and fought themselves. They did. When you can confuse the enemy by showing up and doing the things that God says to do, the, the enemy will fight itself. Yeah. And then it's just an easy pursuit. Easy yeah. pursuit and mop up. Yeah. I don't know. Where do we want to go from here? Uh, they won. It, it is. They won. <laughs> they, they won. And it... In verse, or excuse me, in chapter eight, verse four, it says, "Totally exhausted, Gideon and his three hundred men crossed the river Jordan and continued to pursue the enemy. They completely exhausted. They still continued to push. They still continued to follow God, even when they didn't feel like they had the strength. Mm-hmm. There is a supernatural strength that we have access to, that even when we aren't feeling it, it's there, and we can still do the thing." Yeah. And then we can we could probably jump to the reward and continued compromise. Yes, <laughs> yes, and that's how it plays out. Yeah, is um, there's this uh, a great plunder, and excuse me, Gideon gathers um, enough gold. I think it was like forty five pounds. Well, and of- that's what he asked for because what the people really wanted to do was to make him king, then have his son be king See, after him, this. and he's like, no. no. No, there is only one. There is only one king. That was an epic thing for him to say oh, yeah. to the people and just really put them back in their place about this mm-hmm. because it, it does happen again, as we know. Yeah. Uh, but then he asked for just give me all the gold earrings because uh, the Midianites or whomever were famous for these gold earrings. They Ishmaelites. Had. Yes. Yes. And so from there, it was roughly 45 pounds of gold that he collected. Yes. And he made a golden ephod ephod out of it. Yes. Yep. Which were priestly garments. And we know that, that he had a preference on priesthood over kingship Mm -hmm. and which is, which is beautiful because the heart of the Lord was never Kings. It was never that, that there would be one man to rule over Mm -hmm. all. And so he rightly defers and says, no, there is only one. There is only one to rule us and that is god or yahweh and um and but this this golden ephod that that he had made it says became a snare for mm-hmm. gideon and his family and because yeah. the people of israel were so quick to turn their eyes away from the lord and put them on something they could see with their physical eyes right they began to um idolize mm-hmm. the golden ephod and worshiped there yep. which sounds absolutely ridiculous to to even say out loud but listen we do this all the time we do there are idols in our lives or god would not be talking about compromise right now mm-hmm. what is it 
that you are idolizing right now? What is it that has your worship? We are made to spill out in worship. We are worshiping all day long, whether we realize it or not. It's just not ascribed in the right direction. Something has our attention and our affection all day long. It could be, it could be your problems. It, it could be, it could be finances. It could be health. It could be uh, relationships. It could be TV, social media, yeah, any, any of it, it could mm-hmm. be addiction. It could be any of that. All of these things become idols in our life when we are offering our affection to those things. And God is a jealous lover and will not share you with another. That's right. So what are you going to do about it? Hmm. That's the big question. What are you going to do about it? You've been informed. Now you're responsible. What are you going to do about it? The thing is, is we have access to the deliverer himself. Yeah. But we have to be willing to do what it is that he is asking us to do. We cannot continue to do the same things over and over and expect any different results. Yeah. These idols are not investing anything in you. No, they're not. I I think it's important to remember that. Yes, you have access to the deliverer who resides inside of you. Yes. And I can't think of any better way to have a deliverance manifested than just to release who it is that's inside of you. Yeah. Be be fully who you are. Mm-hmm. Be fully who it is that he's calling you to be. Yeah. And here's the deal. Like I'm going to call us out further here because I know that I, I know that some of us have calls on our life and I know what they are. I know, I know what the call is on our life as an organization. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we can use the ex- excuse of, well, the plan just doesn't seem clear. I'm just waiting on the Lord. That's a cop out. It is a cop out. And that's why I'm calling us out because there are things that we need to do. We need to rise up like Gideon to believe what the Lord is saying and just go knowing that we can go in the strength that we already have and he will meet us there. Right. He's, we are not at the, because of compromise. Listen, this is really, really important because we are in a space of compromise. It's going to take great acts of faith to get us out of that. Mm -hmm. And so that means we have to go before we know, right? God called Moses to go and deliver an entire nation also. And he did not have the game plan ahead of time. Look at Mm -hmm. the great exploits that, that God did surrounding his ministry. We have to go and do the things that he's called us to do without the full plan, without the full strategy. God's been talking to me about that too. It's like strategy doesn't come from your hands. Right. It comes from yielding to my voice. That's right. And so as we go, he will give the plan. As we go, he wants to know, are you going to step out of the muck and the mire that I call compromise? Are you going to take the first step to get yourself out of this? Mm-hmm. I will meet you there. Right. He still wants you to dream with him about where it is you're going. Yes. Absolutely. But how you're getting there, it, these that's the thing you hold open-handed. That's the thing that you say, okay, let's go. Yeah. He's going to show you how to get there. And then you're going to get to that point and you're going to have to continue to go. Mm-hmm. And and he's going to continue to change that and, and have it pull out more and more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm not negating that there are times where God offers instruction and that we need to understand the timing of it. But I feel like where we're at right now 
is about quick obedience. Yeah. Uh, that obedience is the love language of God right now. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to partner with my word? Or are you going to continue to just be a collector? Radical obedience. Yes. God isn't looking for a showcase of prophecy. No. You know, like he's not interested in, in your collection. His word brings action. And we can't just be collectors. We can't just sit around doing nothing and just recalling all of these prophetic words that God has spoken over us. It, it's it's to our own demise that, that we do this. We have to start putting action behind it. And I think we're going to see that more and more because God is raising up apostolic voices and apostolic mm-hmm. centers that are going to put a demand on the word of the Lord. And we will see people going and we will see things begin to change. If the world around you is in a mess, if it's going to hell in a handbasket, it's your responsibility. Do something. That's right. It's, it's ours to change. God gave us the world. He gave us the earth to steward and we need to steward it well. And that's going to force us to take back dominion. Right. He gave us the dominion from, from the beginning. From the beginning. This isn't even yeah. like an, an after the cross thing. It's no. from the beginning. And here's the deal. And I talked about this last Friday is like, we were originally formed from dirt in Adam, mm-hmm. but that's no longer who we are. We aren't no. dirt people. Nope. We are new creation. We are in Christ. We have been made anew. Mm -hmm. So we don't belong in Adam anymore. We don't have the excuse of, well, I got it wrong. Well, I was just a mud man, so I've been deceived. Little old me. You can't be deceived in Christ. No. So get your booty back in Christ. Not when you have his mind. No. It's just not possible. No, we love, listen, I'm, I'm just going to keep calling us out. We love the excuse. We love being able to lean into the excuses of, but what if I'm deceived? What if it's not the Lord? What if it is? So what if questions can go one of Both two ways. ways? One of yeah. two ways. Uh, one, I'm only human. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, you're not. <laughs> that's another one. That's another excuse. And that that is uh, the what if can lead you into fear uh, and lead you to sit and do nothing yeah. or the what if can lead you to what if it is God, then I need to be doing something. I yeah. need to be going. I need to be getting out there and doing whatever it is he's showing me, however it is he's showing me and allow him to just completely take over my body and, and let it be what it looks like. Get possessed. Yeah. Like we seriously, we need yeah. to get, we, we already are, but we need like the opposite possession. Like, we, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like get delivered from fear, the, the yes. fear of man, the fear of everything. Mm-hmm. And, and let's begin to, to, to fear the Lord. This is, a, this is a huge debate right now is the difference between the love of God and the fear of the Lord. People, they are one and the same. They are one and the same. The argument about uh, perfect love casts out, out fear. all fear. Yeah. This is, the, the fear of the Lord is not that fear. No, that's not, that's different. not what that is. Yes. This is the, the fear of man that leads you into all the other things that leads you to stand resolute in a wrong way because of pride and ego, not because this is what God has said. I could easily, stand in that. very, very easily interchange perfect love casts out all fear with the fear of the Lord casts out all lesser fears. Yes. That's right. It means the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
it's 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 the wrong idea. Anyway, so we have gone on and on here. That's okay. Oh, yeah. I, I feel little, like it's been a little a, bit over time. It's been a, a great conversation. Yeah. And um, I, I'm glad that we 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 did this that mm-hmm. we dove into Gideon's life because I feel like it's where we're at. I feel like it's you know we are in the same space where God is like He's recognizing that what we believe about ourselves is a lack of courage mm-hmm. that we are the least of these. But God does marvelous things with the least of these. Right. Got to get rid of small mindsets. Believe who it is that he is saying you are. Oh, my gosh. That's huge. I mean, like it this is. this small mindedness is crippled us. And that's something that another thing that God has been talking to me about is, you know, we take the scripture. This is a wrong use of scripture. You guys, if you're using scripture to allow yourself to, to stay stuck or to stay at a standstill. That's abuse of scripture. Mm-hmm. When it says that do not despise small beginnings, that's not permission to stay there. We are right. at a space now where we need to repent for the small beginning mindedness. Yes. That has got to go. We can no longer stay there. We need to repent. God, I am sorry that we have stayed stuck in a space of small beginnings. And I felt like God was revealing to me as like the majority of us have been in a cycle of small beginnings our entire life that we've never known anything outside of small beginnings. So we're no longer going to use that as an excuse that, well, I'm just not going to despise these small beginnings. Bull. Get out of small mindedness and get into the grandiose picture that God is painting for you and go do the thing. Stop despising the big things that God has for you by being small minded. Shoot. That'll preach. Ouch. Say it again. It says, don't despise small beginnings. Well, when you decide to stay there, you're despising the big things that God is calling you into. That's a good word. Yeah. And on that, good day. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>